Award-winning prolific author Sarah Beth Durst has written books for a variety of audiences, including teens, kids, and adults. She has a new book coming out this April about existence, truth, and lies in The Lies Among Us. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. We chat about her book and the power of sci-fi and speculative fiction. Tell me, how did this story kind of uh, find you? The concept, which is actually very different from how other stories find me. It, I always start with the small little idea snippet, now a little like spark. There, there's this myth that ideas come to writers as these big lightning strikes, and suddenly you know everything about the world and the story, and you're inspired, and the muse is there, and yay, you go off and write, and it you know rarely works that way. Well, it does. It's great. But <laughs> with this, it was... The concept of lies. That was it. It was all I knew at the beginning. And I actually sat down and made this list. It ended up being like two or three pages of all the different ways that people lie to one another. Little lies, big lies, meaningless lies, nice lies, lies made out of kindness. This whole list of the ways that lies permeate our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's where I began. And the story mm-hmm. unfolds from there. There's more with Sarah Beth Durst in a moment. Well, talk about something that's very timely. Uh, we, we seem to have right now in, in America and, and maybe some other parts of the world, too, a problem with the truth. <laughs> so, uh, you know, everybody seems to have their own truth. Uh, and uh, and there's not a lot of, um, of common ground there. So uh, I think a book like this just touches on that. When you wrote this, was that something in the back of your mind or... You just front of my mind, very much the front of my really? mind. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, it, it was, it, it, as you said, it's pervasive in our society right now, all yeah. through politics, all over social media. It's it's a huge, huge issue that just invades all our lives. Um, and I really, I wanted in this book to address it from a really personal level. But I think that's one of the things that fiction allows us to do is to really explore the human condition and get at universal truth through a very personal story. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's why I tried to start. <laughs> I'm actually also looking at your website uh, and uh, SarahBethDurst.com, and we're gonna I'm gonna read a little bit of the description. I want you to get your comments here, and it starts off with uh, I'm gonna paraphrase it. Actually, uh, Hannah is the main character. Her mother is dies. And apparently, um, it, the funny thing is, in, as far as Hannah is concerned, nobody actually sees her or listens to her. And, you know, she's confused. She's dealing with grief of her mother's death. And she, you know, is trying now to kind of find her way in, in life after these circumstances. Um, and then uh, her older sister, Leah, doesn't seem to acknowledge her and it it makes me wonder is she really there (laughs) so so kind of comment on that and again it's lies and truth and maybe a little bit of a philip k dick like existence too Mm -hmm. yeah The, uh, the book is about a woman who doesn't exist 
ever. No one can see her. No one can hear her. No one can touch her. She can't touch anyone. She can't participate in a conversation. She does not exist. And it's seen through her eyes, um, alternating with um, life through the eyes of her sister, who very much does exist and has never seen or heard or spoken with the sister who is convinced she's part of part of this world. Um, the way Hannah sees the world is she sees it almost in layers. She sees the intentions of other people, the dreams, like the house that they both grew up in. Hannah sees it as this beautiful two-story home with a pristine kitchen and a garden out in front. And her sister Leah sees it as a dilapidated one-story house that the house has never been painted. There's junk in the front yard. Nobody's picked up a newspaper in, in forever. Mm. And it smells like mold from the kitchen. And they just, they experience the world through two different lenses that, that interlock. Mm. Um, so, yes. <laughs> no, I was saying before how, how fiction allows us to explore the, the human condition. Well, yeah. one of the things, I consider this book book club fiction with a speculative edge. By which I mean it's 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 about a concept, but I use speculative fiction. Um, it, it is such an amazing tool for exploring the extremes of a concept. You can do that with science fiction and a fan in fantasy in a way that you really can't in other genres. It lets you push it to such an extreme to really see what does this mean? What does this mean when I push a push a, a character, a personality through this gauntlet to the absolute limits of what this concept means and what does it do to them? How do they survive it? What does it say about us? So what's fascinating too is that Hannah doesn't exist, yet she has memories yes. of a childhood and a mother. She shares, the, she feels the grief of her passing and she also acknowledges that she has a sister. That's an interesting concept, too. And you wonder, what is she really? <laughs> you know, that kind of. Yes. Oh, so hard not to give any spoilers, but I will yeah. resist the urge. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, the novel ends up being a lot about grief as, as much as it is about lies and about sisterhood and family and how we process or fail to process all of that. Hannah sees Leah, Leah taking a similar path that she took that doesn't lead to a good place. Yeah. And she wants to get through to her, but there's the challenge because Leah doesn't even acknowledge she's there because she doesn't exist. Yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. That's, that's the heart that, that pulls it through. That's, that's, yes. You latched onto the main storyline. I mean, I think, when I write a book, the most important thing for me is to make sure the characters feel real. Because you can have the best concept, the best world, the most amazing world building, the greatest exciting plot. But if your heart doesn't go with those characters, if you're not, if they don't feel real to you, then you're not making the penny too. And you're not experiencing the fullness of the book. So for me, bringing those characters to life, that, that's step number one. Nothing else exists until you have that voice. Mm. And, and that's true for the other mediums as well. I mm. mean, if you don't connect with the people you're watching, then it's like, why am I, why, why am I watching this or, you know, paying good money to see a play 
uh, when I don't, I can't connect with anybody. You have to work so much harder as an audience when you can't connect, and uh, eventually you probably would lose interest. So that is everything. If you can't connect to these people, yeah, and, and they seem real to you, if they don't seem real to you, then you're then the story is in trouble. Yes, I absolutely agree. And then I, it's not that they have to be necessarily likable. Right. You have to hear what happens next. Mm-hmm. When you write, uh, how how do you do it? Do you have a, a set schedule? You know, sometimes uh, I want to do X amount of words a day kind of thing, or does it kind of come to you whenever? I write all the time. I have zero work-life balance at all. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, writing is a part of my life as much as breathing is really, it's woven into the fabric of my day. I wake up, I go write something. I go eat some breakfast. I come back, I write some more. I go empty the dishwasher. I come write some more. I just, it's woven through my day. It's, it's what makes the world feel balanced to me. It, it makes me happy. The act of string sentences together. Even if I look back on them later, I'm like, well, that was not a good sentence. We need to try again. The mm-hmm. act of bringing a story to life brings me joy. You have written a lot of books. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that, you know, you're, you, you're in fantasy, young adult, children books, and uh, and even you know you call it cozy romancy, <laughs> so <laughs> so it's like uh, you've done a lot of different things. Uh, it is because you're kind of doing all those different things. I guess do you get the idea first, and then based on the idea, you decide where it's going to go. If it, it's going to be a romance or speculative or or children. And also, I guess, deciding the audience, too. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. The idea comes first before I've decided what sort of book it is. Um, and then I chase it down from there. And, and, you know, as far as the age range, if it's a story that feels like it's about firsts, like first adventure, your first friendship, your first taste of independence, um, if it's a story that's filled with wonder, that's that's a mix of, of silly and serious, it's going to be a kid's book and the character will be about 12. If it's about the, the highs and lows of your emotions and really striking out on your own and claiming who you are and what your place is in the world, you're almost certainly going to be 16 and it's a young adult novel. If it's about losses that you've experienced or regret or second chances um, or finding your place after everything has fallen apart, then it's an adult novel. I don't sit down and say, now I'm going to write for grownups, or now I'm going to write for kids. I sit down and say, this is the story I want to tell. Whose eyes am I going to see it through? Mm. And that's where I write from. When you do that, did you start off doing it as one, one audience and then changing it? saying, oh, wait a minute, this is not, this is going in a different direction here. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you start, sometimes you even write the whole thing, you get to the end, you're like, oh, that's what that was about, right? <laughs> I do many, many drafts, probably 30 drafts per per novel, just finding my way to the details that really bring it to life, to the, the core of the story. Um, and I try to tr- trust myself, too, and 
and follow it in whatever direction it leads, which is why sometimes it heads off in entirely different directions. Like Lies Among Us is extremely different from The Spell Shop, which is the cozy romanticy you mentioned. Um, Lies Among Us is coming out in April and yes. Spell Shop's coming out in July. And uh, Spell Shop is about a rogue librarian and her best friend, a talking spider plant. And <laughs> they start a illegal spell shop where they sell raspberry jam, which is extremely different from The Lies Among Us, which begins with Hannah, the woman who doesn't exist, lying in her mother's casket under the earth. Slightly different feel. You can literally have just written an essay about lies. And, yeah. you know, some people might like it, and but others might just ignore it and say, oh, another one of these. But to do it in, as in a story form, you get the same ideas across, but in a totally different way and an entertaining way. So yeah. I think uh, that's the beauty of, uh, of, of, you know, of speculating in this way. And uh, I mean, this podcast is I really created because I, I, I guess I'm still searching to see what the human condition is and what it's going to be. So that's part of why I created it. And it's not just, you know, uh, celebrities and all that. It's, it's really just trying to find what are we? Where are we going? Do we ignore where we've been? You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that that's that's so important and, and so yeah. beautiful and, it's, and something that, that we can all do. And I think fiction, um, it talks to people's heart to heart. It like bypasses your logic and, and your head and goes straight into your heart so that you incorporate these ideas and they kind of invade you. And and that's one I just think books are these these magic things, they're these little rectangles that have the power to change you from the yeah. inside. There is a connection that happens, maybe not really in any other medium, between the reader and the book. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially if, you, if you're in a quiet space, uh, what happens is uh, you, kind of, um, you kind of connect in a way that's very different than any other way of seeing it. Like if you if they saw it as a film, you connect in a different way. Mm -hmm. If you saw it as a play, you would connect with a different play. But this is more personal because yeah. it's usually in a safe place that you're reading or maybe you're traveling, but you feel, you know, it's you feel comfortable and that opens yourself up a lot more. So I I do like the way that books do that compared to other, you know, other ways that we consume things. Me too. Me too. You carry them inside you. You you make friends in these books that that you know the books you read in childhood. And you yes. still think back, and they can transport you to that moment in time and make you feel things. And they just become a part of the fabric of who you are. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I tend to do some research in the beginning when I'm building out whatever the world is, and then. I try not to fall down the rabbit hole of all the fascinating things there are to learn out there in the world <laughs> and just put in little brackets as I'm writing It's being like, learn more about this um, as I go along. And then I try to keep myself focused on what I need to know. But of course, always when you write a novel, you end up learning far more than could ever fit in the novel. And so I just <laughs> chalk that up for a future book. <laughs> That's all good. As far as editing, do you edit your own books or do you have an editor? Well, the editor, I, I take it as far as I possibly can before I show it to anybody else. So I do about 30 drafts on my own. 
um, not like expensive drafts each time. I try, the way I work is I will uh, uh, address a certain type of aspect of the storytelling each time I go through. For instance, one draft will be all pacing and getting the, the kind of breadth of the novel right. And then another will be the emotions and getting the arcs of the characters. And another might be the dialogue, because I adore banter. Um, getting that feeling right and true. And, and so by the end, when I get to that draft 30, I feel like I've done everything that I can. But at that point, when you've been through it so many times and for so long, you've lost all objectivity. So at that point, that's when I send it to, to my editor at the publisher. Um, for Lies Among Us, I'm, it's being published by Lake Union. Uh, Spell Shop is through Tor's new imprint, Bramble. And Spiring is through Clarion Books, which is part of HarperCollins. So I have a, a separate editor for each. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Right. Sure. Um, and then they come back with uh, this is a, <laughs> with their suggestions for fixing it. And that is so much fun because then you have fresh eyes on it and you can dive in at that point and really refine it. Have you ever uh, thought about ex exploring the world of audio and having audiobook versions of some of your books? There are audiobook versions of oh, wow, all cool. of my books. Yes. Oh, great. Yeah, and I love that. I think that's so great. And hearing how, how the audiobook narrator brings the characters to life is just, it's so cool. <laughs> Someone say your words. When you hear some of them, does it kind of take you in a direction you didn't think? about sometimes when you wrote it, does. it yeah sometimes it does and the interpretation of different characters um because it, it's a different storytelling kind of thing you know um but that's really cool i like i like that and i know there are a lot of people that love audiobooks so i love having the books available in that way a lot of books now are available electronically yeah. uh what's your feeling on that i mean to you could literally have like probably at the minimum four or five of your books on somebody's Kindle or even their phone and they can take it with them. I love that. I love books in all forms, actually. I mean, there, there's really nothing better than curling up with a cat and a hardcover and snow is falling and reading that and just having that visceral reading experience. However, if you're traveling somewhere, bringing like 20 hardcovers with you is not going to work. So I love my Kindle as well, which I, I have stocked with like, you know, a couple hundred books just in case my reading mood changes. <laughs> so. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. You can store that many. But, you know, that is so cool. And you touched upon something that I firmly believe in, that tactile experience of having that book in your hands. And maybe if you read it a few times and the spine is a little bent, or, yeah. you know, I, I kind of like that. It's It's like revisiting an old friend. Yes, exactly. Yeah, some of my my favorite paperbacks, like my copies of the the Belgaria, the David Eddings, the spines are like crinkles, so they're <laughs> like falling off, and it just I, it brings back the memories of every other time that you've lived in that world. This is out April first. Yes. Is there a room for a sequel, or you think this is it? <laughs> this one is it's written as a standalone, oh, so okay. it, it's got a firm uh, ending. But I am working on another book that has, it's a different world, entirely different characters, but it's got the same kind of feel. And that's called The Willow and the Warbler that's going to be out in 2025. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about a woman who cannot stay anywhere, who comes to a town that she cannot leave. Oh, that sounds awesome. I don't know, if, did you mention Spy Ring at all? 
oh yes, Inspiring is coming out right in between the two in May. That is for kids ages eight to 12. That's not speculative at all. That's about two modern day kids set in Setauket, New York, who go on a treasure hunt adventure and learn about Anna Smith Strong, who was a George Washington's spy, the first female spy. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. I like that. It involved a lot of research, and I love research. So it was a lot of fun. I guess a good place to start with you would be your website. Yes. Yes, I've tried to divide it up into the different flavors of my books, and there are I've got excerpts from all of them. So the first chapter from all of them, so that oh, you nice. can see what they're in the mood for before mm-hmm. diving in. <laughs> yeah, we'll have it in the show notes of the podcast so people okay. can, can visit it. So definitely. Well, thank you so much for being here and uh, and just really uh, an amazing concept for a book. And uh, I really can't wait to uh, to see what the reaction is going to be once it's uh, out. The lies among us. And uh, boy, that's uh, that's hitting it right on the nose as far as timeliness. So I think it should be really interesting to see what people think of it. Thank you. And it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Visit her official website, sarahbethdurst.com. And Sci-Fi Talk has a special offer for you, but not only for you, but maybe friends and even family. There's over 900 episodes that are commercial-free, uncut, and even special programs. The best part, it's free. Click on the link for show notes for free lifetime access. But this special offer will expire, so take advantage of it. This is Tony Tolado.